Welcome to the 164th podcast and the 134th as a city on a hill church. As we begin to measure the national social distancing in terms of months, we are seeing pockets of tyranny spring up just about everywhere, and a good portion of them are aimed at the born-again Church of Jesus Christ. This is unprecedented in this country, and many of us may not know how to react to all this. This message, part one of two, tells us that no matter what the circumstances, we're to behave as Isaiah 2.5 tells us to behave, that is, to always be walking in the light of the Lord. To open this vital scripture up to you, here is Pastor Michael Clark. If you would like to open up, we are in the book of Isaiah, and we are in Isaiah chapter 2. We are continuing our expository verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah, and we are picking up where we left off last week in verse 5. I uh, studied through verses 1 to 5 last week, but I really didn't spend much time on verse 5 at all. So this this week we're going to do sort of a, a topical message uh entitled Walking in the Light of the Lord from Isaiah 2.5, and it's actually going to be um, probably a two-part message here because I, I, I just want to kind of lay the foundation um, uh, of the message uh, this evening, and then we'll, we'll kind of get some application, more application uh, personally for us next Wednesday on the subject of being light. So the message is entitled Walking in the Light of the Lord, part one. And it's Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5, if you'd like to open your Bibles there. And I'll read it to you. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. Last week, as we looked through verses 1 through 4, of Isaiah chapter 2, the emphasis was actually on the return of Jesus Christ, on his coming back to the earth to judge the Antichrist and to judge the armies of the earth, the Antichrist armies at the Battle of Armageddon, to uh, come and to judge the nations, to separate, as it were, the sheep from the goats, uh, and to establish his thousand-year reign upon the earth where Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Uh, very encouraging to know that God still has a plan and that he's still coming back. And everything that's happening in our world today uh, really is all uh, on his timeline. And uh, Jesus told us these things were going to happen, pestilences and plagues and financial economic uncertainty and uh, uh, an economic system was going to be in place. John the Apostle uh, recorded for us in Revelation chapter 13, where uh, those would be excluded from the economy uh, if they don't uh, submit to the Antichrist government and take a mark on the right hand of their forehead. And so all of these things that we're seeing happening around us now were predicted in the Bible. And Jesus said to his disciples, I have told you these things 
concerning the last days, the end times, the tribulation period, and so forth, his second coming, I have told you these things beforehand or in advance so that when they come to pass, you may believe. And so uh, this is a great time to be actually witnessing to people, to unbelievers or backslidden Christians, anyone and everyone. Uh, it's a great time to be sharing with them the love of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel message, and the hope that we have as believers, um, regardless of the coronavirus or regardless of the economy. Our hope is in God, not in our government. Our hope is in our God, and He is faithful, and He will take care of His children. Uh, and so it's a great opportunity right now to be to be sharing with them, especially the fact that the Bible predicted so much of this so specifically. Uh, it, it goes to show that the Bible is true and that God is real and that God knows the future. And he told us the future uh, in advance to build our faith. So that was last week. Today, I'd like to slow down and just really dig into verse 5 here, where it's a command and an exhortation for the people of God, for the house of Jacob. Jacob is another name for Israel, or uh, Jacob's name was actually changed to Israel by God when Jacob uh, surrendered and submitted his life to God. God changed his name to Israel, which means governed by God. And uh, and so Jacob and Israel are used interchangeably for the nation of Israel. For you have, uh, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In its context, this is a clear invitation and a calling to the nation of Israel. Uh, at this time, specifically, it was referring to Judah. The uh, two southern tribes were Judah and Benjamin. They were called the kingdom of Judah. The ten northern tribes were already carried away into captivity by the Assyrians at this point. And so God was working through the prophet Isaiah to uh, make a, a, a clear message to them about calling his people Judah back to himself. And so this is an invitation and a calling out to Judah uh, to uh, be light in the world. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us be, as it were, a light to the world. This is the call of God upon his people here. You don't have to hold your place in Isaiah chapter 2, but I'm going to be looking at a few scriptures here. You might want to jot them down and look them up later. I have them all marked out in my Bible. Uh, Isaiah chapter 42 says this. The Bible has a lot to say about light in, in the scriptures. That's why we're going to take a couple of weeks on this subject. Very pertinent and relevant to us today. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 6 says this about God calling his people to be light and uh, the Messiah who's going to come would be the light of the world. Isaiah 42, 6, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. And so we know that this is a messianic psalm. We know that Jesus came in fulfillment of, of or messi uh, messianic prophecy rather, uh, and that Jesus came in fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the light of the world, as we're going to see a little bit later. Uh, but this was written to the Jews. This was written um, hundreds of years before Christ was born. And so God was really calling the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah 
to be light in a dark world. It says that the Gentiles are the ones that are in darkness, those who sit in darkness in the, in the prison house. This is the unbelievers, the Gentiles, the pagans, uh, who didn't know the God of Israel, who didn't know the God of the Bible. Uh, and so the, the Jews were, were commissioned by God to be light to the, to the Gentile world, to let their light shine so they would reflect the God of Israel properly to the people who are worshiping devils and worshiping demons. In Isaiah chapter 49, verse 5, we read this about light. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, verse 6, it is too, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And again, we know this was fulfilled. It's a prophecy again that was fulfilled by, by Jesus. Jesus was the servant that was being spoken of here. But in the time it was written, the Jews were really being commissioned by God to be a light to a very, very dark world. In chapter 50 of Isaiah and verse 10, Isaiah says this, who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. And so again, we are called uh, as God's people in the New Testament. We are called to be those who walk in the light. We're going to look at the New Testament in a minute. But this has always been the call of God to God's people, that we are to be light in a very dark world. And indeed, the days are very dark, the days in which we live. In Isaiah chapter 60, you can turn there if you want. We're going to look at a few verses here in Isaiah chapter 60. Verse 1 we read this. Isaiah has a lot to say about being light. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so again, uh, the Lord is calling his people to be light. And this was really, when it was written, it was written to the Jews. This was written to the, to the nation of Judah and to the Jews, the Jewish people. They were, they were commanded by God to be a light, to be different, to be righteous to show them what it looks like to be God's people, different, not like the rest of the, of the world, not like the others uh, that surrounded the nation. And tragically and sadly, as you know, uh, the Jews did not reach out to save the Gentiles. Matter of fact, what they ended up doing was uh, just pushing the Gentiles away completely uh, so that at the time when Jesus was here in Jerusalem and there in, in the Galilee region, Nazareth and so forth, uh, the religious 
uh, teachers of the law, the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and all the experts in the Jewish law and the Jewish priests and so forth, they had nothing to do with the Gentiles. They detested the Gentiles. They despised the Gentiles. They said that they wouldn't even touch a Gentile. If you bumped into a Gentile, you were unclean and you had to, you know, go wash yourself and take a bath and change your clothes. Uh, uh, because you touched the Gentiles. So not only were they not light to the Gentiles to draw the Gentiles into a relationship with God, uh, but they abhorred the Gentiles. They said that, you know, it was better, uh, uh, you know, to be a, a, a Jew than a Gentile or, or a woman or a dog. That's what they said. They, they looked at, at, at women and Gentiles as dogs. It, it was, it was a very, uh, a very religious, but a, a very uh, poor representation of the heart of God. They certainly were not being a light to the Gentiles to reveal the love of God, the mercies of God, uh, the uh, holiness of God, the righteousness of God to the unbelieving world. They did the opposite. Uh, I've been to Jerusalem and the religious Jews that are there today, they hate the Gentiles just as much as they hated them when Jesus was there. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, they, uh, the religious Jews in Israel, they put up with us, the Gentiles, the Christians. Um, and of course, some Jews are Christians. You could be Jewish and be Christian, Messianic Jews and so forth. But uh, the religious Jews, they like our money in Jerusalem. They like our money in Israel because of all the pilgrims and pilgrimages where the Christians come to Israel and spend their money. Uh, uh, but they don't like us and they won't talk to you when you're there and they really have no patience with, with the Gentiles and the Christians at all. So uh, not much has really changed. But that's not how it was supposed to be. God called them to be different. He called them to be light to the Gentiles so that people in darkness would be drawn to the light to come out of the darkness and come into the light of God. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19, we read this. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your morning shall be ended. Verse 21, also your people shall all be righteous, they shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. And so this is now speaking of really the messianic reign of Christ, the uh, messianic reign uh, um, uh, over Israel and really over the whole world in the future. It hasn't happened yet. It didn't happen at Christ's first coming, but this is going to be fulfilled at his second coming, what we're reading here. But it's the same concept. It's the same idea. Uh, your, the sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor brightness of the moon by night. Uh, the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. And so God is going to be light to the world. He's personally going to come and he's going to be the light of the world. This is what was predicted and prophesied uh, to come. And there are, there are other scriptures in Isaiah uh, that talk about light and God calling his people to be light to a very dark world. Now, ultimately, this prophecy that we just read 
um, is uh, in part already fulfilled by Jesus' first coming, but will be completely fulfilled at His second coming. In Luke chapter 1, verse 78, I'll read this to you about Jesus uh, being born into this world or coming into this world. Luke 1.78 says, Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And this was Zacharias who was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was prophesying about Jesus and that his son was going to be a born and his son, John the Baptist, was going to be a great uh, prophet of God. And he was going to come and he was going to make ready the way of the Lord for the Messiah who was coming, Jesus Christ. And, and part of this prophecy is that God was going to, through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ coming into the world, give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. And this light will then guide our feet into the way of peace. And so all of the Old Testament prophecies, really because... Um, you know, God knows the future, of course, uh, but uh, the the nation of Israel did not do what they were supposed to do. Initially, they went after other gods. Initially, they wanted to go back into Egypt after God had delivered them from Egypt. Then they started worshiping all the false gods of all the nations around them. Uh, certainly, they weren't introducing them to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were going after their gods, Ashtoreth and Baal and Molech uh, and the others and uh, Mammon and so forth. And so uh, God ended up judging His people, Israel, because they uh, were not uh, leading people to God. They were actually going after other gods. So they were failing, doubly failing in their mission. Uh, so Jesus came as the light of the world. In chapter 2 of Luke, chapter 2 and verse 30, I'll read this to you about uh, Jesus. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples. Luke chapter 2, verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so I'm just laying a foundation about this command and this topic and this subject about the light that God is talking about in the Scriptures. And then we're going to get into more uh, uh, practical application next week. But I, I just want you to, to see that this is all over the Bible. This call, this charge, this commission by God for God's people to be light to a dark world is not changed. It's still the same today. And uh, this is what now we are charged with as the church to be light to the dark world. Now God also revealed Himself, God the Father, as light, which is interesting. Um, because uh, God, the Father is a spirit. Jesus said, uh, God is a spirit, the Father is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Uh, and so when God revealed Himself to Moses, you remember initially, when He revealed Himself to Moses, how did He reveal Himself to Moses? As light, as a fire, as the, the burning bush where Moses was there, after uh, being on the backside of the desert uh, herding goats for 40 years and pretty much thought he was washed up and his career as a, a man of God and, and as a leader was over. Uh, and yet God reached out. God revealed himself to Moses. God called him. 
and said, you know, the cry of my people has come uh, into my ears to heaven from Egypt, uh, where my people are, are in bondage to the Pharaoh in slavery. And, uh, and he told Moses, I'm calling you Moses. I'm going to send you to set my people free, to deliver my people from the bondage of the slavery of Egypt. And, and God re- was revealed to Moses as fire, as light, as a bush that was burning in the wilderness, but the bush was never being consumed. Uh, it was just burning. And, uh, and he told Moses, take off your sandals for the ground on which you stand is holy ground. And so God revealed himself. God the Father doesn't have a body. He's a spirit, Jesus tells us. He revealed himself in fire and as fire or as light. When Jesus, when Jesus came into the world, when Jesus would later come into the world from, from, uh, the time of Moses, of course, uh, Jesus becomes a type of Moses. That, uh, Moses was the one who delivered God's people from the bondage of the slavery of Egypt. And Jesus is the one who came to set the captives free from the bondage of the slavery of sin. Moses was sent to deliver God's people from the wicked Pharaoh, who was really the God of that world, or he was worshipped as a god, and he ruled the ancient world at that time. The Egyptian Empire was the most powerful empire, uh, certainly uh, around the Middle East area at that time. And uh, and so Moses was to go and to stand up to Pharaoh, uh, who was viewed as a deity, viewed as a god, and to basically uh, um, set his God's people free. Well, Jesus came, Moses being a shadow or a foretype, or a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, Jesus came into the world in order to set the captives free from the bondage of the slavery of sin and to take us, as it were, into the promised land uh, and to set us free from the God of this world who is the devil, who has people bound up uh, and, and, and just ensnared in sin. And Jesus came to set the captives free to bring us from darkness into the light. Now, when Moses was later on Mount Sinai, and he went up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, as you remember, and he met with God. God was revealed in the book of Exodus where Moses went up to, on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights to receive the Ten Commandments, the law of God uh, given to man. And God was revealed how? on the mountain, Mount Sinai. Well, there was a cloud, there was fire, there was lightning, and there were thunders. As a matter of fact, there was such a, a powerful uh, um, uh, you know, experience for the children of Israel at that time. They were terrified of God. They wouldn't go anywhere near that mountain. They were so scared. And as a matter of fact, when Moses went up there, they thought Moses had died. Because they said, wow, nobody could stay up there for 40. That's when they made the golden calf and so forth. But uh, God once again revealed himself to his man Moses. He revealed himself in fire and in, in lightning at the top of the mountain when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, which really became the foundation of all civilized society from that point on. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of any civilized society. Fire and smoke and lightning and thunder in the presence of the Lord. And of course, Moses uh, was not consumed uh, by uh, God. He did come back down 
and, uh, and then he shattered uh, the tablets of stone when he came down when he saw that they were worshiping uh, a golden calf. Now, in the book of Exodus, in chapter 33, we read this concerning uh, how God was revealing Himself to Moses. Exodus chapter 33, verse 17 says this, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. So the Lord was speaking to Moses. The Bible says that God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to a man, as it were, face to face. And that was a very, very, very unusual thing for God to speak to anybody uh, like this. Really, Abraham was probably the only other one that had this sort of a relationship with God uh, at, at this at this time in history. Um, and so the Lord said, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, you, uh, I know you by name. You found grace in my sight. And then Moses' response is, please show me your glory. And then this is God's answer. Verse 19, God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my backside, but my face shall not be seen. And so this was the Shekinah glory of God. And, uh, and indeed Moses did see the Shekinah glory or the backside or, uh, as it were, the afterglow of God. And, and so it was something that, uh, once again, uh, as a matter of fact, because, uh, God, you know, is, is light and God is, is, is revealed in fire and smoke, um, Moses, after having that encounter with God, although he couldn't, uh, see God's face as it were, but he spoke to, to God as a man would speak to a man face to face. They had that sort of a relationship. Uh, but he, he put him in the cleft of the rock. He passed by, uh, Moses and then he removed his hand as it were. And Moses saw the afterglow of God. And as a result of that experience of seeing the afterglow of God indicating fire and burning and glory, Moses, uh, his face shined from that point on. I mean, he just, he was just shining. He was glowing from that point on, uh, uh, because he had been in the presence of God. And then he, uh, began to reflect and shine as it were, uh, because he was in God's presence. As a matter of fact, it scared the people when he came back down the mountain, uh, and he was shining. He was glowing because he had been in the presence of God and seen the afterglow, the Shekinah glory, uh, of God, of Jehovah, of Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, not only the burning bush, not only the Shekinah glory, not only the fire and lightning on Mount Sinai, but God also revealed Himself as a pillar of fire. A pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to the children of Israel for the 40, uh, 40 years that they were wandering in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, we read this. 
Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. Verse 38, For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And so God once again revealed Himself to the children of Israel, His chosen people, as a cloud, as fire. The cloud was to keep them uh, uh, basically protected from the hot sun there in the Sinai Peninsula, one of the hottest places on earth um, between uh, Egypt, that big desert between Egypt and, uh, and Israel. And they were there for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And so it would have been hot. It would have been miserably hot. But they, uh, they weren't burned by the sun because God protected them with a cloud by day. And at night, He was a pillar of fire by night. God revealed Himself as a pillar of fire. And that was to give them light. It was so they could see what they were doing. It was also to scare away enemies. It was also to scare away wild animals and so forth. It was His God's protection watching over His people. But it is interesting that God is revealed as fire. And fire produces light. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29, the author of Hebrews tells us, our God is a consuming fire. So all of this ties into the call of God upon His people to be light. He's light. He's a consuming fire. Uh, And that's how He's revealed Himself to us. And so, because God is light, He commands His people also to be light in the world. A couple of weeks ago, when we were uh, studying, we looked at, um, I believe it was Psalm 115, but Psalm 115 and Psalm 135 both teach that a man or a woman will become like their God. That that which you worship, whoever your God is, that's what you're going to become like. You're going to become like your God. And uh, and so, if our God is fire, if our God is a consuming fire, if our God is a pillar of fire, revealed as a pillar of fire, if our God is a burning bush, you know, revealed as a, a bush burning but not being consumed, uh, then we should become light because our God is light. So if we're worshiping God and a man becomes like his God, a man becomes like that which he worships, which we know is true, then we should be light. And we should reflect the light of God to a dark world. A man becomes like his God. Now it's interesting that God's Word, not only is, is, is God the Father uh, light, not only was, uh, were the Jews, the chosen people of Israel, called to reflect their God, represent their God to the Gentiles by being light to the Gentiles, uh, but God's Word is called light over and over again. In Psalm 119, 105, we read, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Which makes sense. If God is light 
And he has inspired his word and it's written exactly as he wanted it to be recorded and written down. Uh, then his word would also reflect himself. It would reflect the light of God. And so his word is light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 119 verse 130, we read this about God's word. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And so God who is light speaks His Word. It's recorded for us. And His Word becomes light to His children. It helps us to navigate through the pitfalls of life to avoid the snares of the enemy and the, and the, the pits that the enemy would dig for us. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path, helping us as we go through this world. It's light for us. Even as a flashlight or a lantern would give you light in a very dark place so that you could see where you're going. And the unfolding or the entrance uh, or the teaching of your words gives light. And so um, His Word also is light and is revealed as light uh, to us. In Psalm 19 and verse 7, I'll read this to you. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So all of this is talking about the Word of God. The law of the Lord, it's perfect. It converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It's true. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. They're correct. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So His Word is light and His Word brings light to us. It gives understanding to the simple. The fear of the Lord continuing is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to, to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Uh, and so the idea of God's Word giving us light tells us the truth. It tells us what's right, what's wrong. It tells us how to live as His people. It tells us uh, all about why we have sin and why we have diseases and why we have death. Uh, God's Word tells us all of this. It tells us about eternity. It tells us about heaven. It tells us about hell uh, and more. And so uh, God's Word is light and it gives us light and revelation of truth that we wouldn't know otherwise left to ourselves. One more scripture about the, the scriptures being light. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 23 says this. Proverbs 6.23 For the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And so his, his word tells us what's right. It tells us what's true. It shows us what's really there. Like light will reveal what's really there in the darkness. Darkness, you can't see what's there. But light comes into it, floods the darkness, and you see what's there. And, uh, and then oftentimes we see ourselves in God's light and we realize, uh, oh, wretched man that I am, as Paul the Apostle said, who will deliver me from this body of death in me that is in my flesh? No good thing dwells. You have to come into a real understanding of who God is before you can really understand your depravity of your sin 
and your hopelessness apart from God to really uh, come into a place of having a purpose for your life and knowing the God who made you and also uh, knowing that when you die, you're going to go to heaven to be with the Lord. God has to show you this. And then you have to, you have to uh, accept what His Word says. And it corrects us, it reproves us, uh, it, it directs us and instructs us into the truth. Now, the Father is revealed as light, as we've seen. His Word, God's Word is revealed as light. And Jesus is the light of the world. And He was prophesied to be light to the world. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, we read this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And so this was a messianic prophecy written 700 plus years before Christ was born, but Jesus came in fulfillment of this prophecy. He was the light that the people saw who were sitting in darkness. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. That was Jesus when He came uh, into this world, when He was born uh, into this world and born of the uh, Virgin Mary. Now, in the New Testament, we also see that Jesus refers to Himself as the light of the world. Uh, God was uh, the Father, the first person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, uh, God the Son, Jesus, second person of the Trinity, and God the Holy Spirit. As we've uh, mentioned here before, uh, it's not, it's, you know, people say, well, how could God be three um, uh, if, if He's one God? And the Bible says, behold, the Lord our God, He is one God. Uh, Yahweh is one and so forth. And so people say, well, how could God be three if you're saying that God is Father, Son, uh, and Holy Spirit, wouldn't that make Him three gods and not one? And the Scriptures clearly tell us no. Uh, it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's different math. It's one times one times one equals one. God is still one, even though God is three persons, revealed in three persons. All eternal, the, the Godhead, all eternal beings, uh, existed forever, no beginning, no end. And so Jesus is God. Jesus came into the world, and as God and as the Son of God coming into the world, He is called light in the world. John chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us this, In Him was life, this is speaking of Jesus, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him, Jesus, was life, He's life, and the life was the light of men. He's light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He continues, there was a man, verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. And so Jesus is light. He's the light of the world. And He came into this dark world in order to reveal the truth of God personally to all peoples, all nations. He came initially to the Jews. He said, I came uh, 
uh, to the house of Israel. Uh, he was rejected by the nation of Israel primarily, although all of his early disciples and apostles were Jewish, of course, and most of the early church converts were Jewish. Uh, so not all of the Jews rejected his message, but the institution, the religious institution, the religious leaders, and so forth, they did not accept his message. And so then that light and that message of, uh, of God and the truth of God, who he is, uh, uh, was then open to the whole world after it went to Israel first, to the Jews first, and then uh, after that to the Gentiles. He's the light of the world. He came in the world as light into the world. John chapter 8 tells us this, and this is now Jesus uh, testifying of himself. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And so now Jesus is identifying, as it were, uh, he's identifying with his father. And he's, he's coming uh, as the son of God. He came and he, he took a human form and took a human body and so forth. Uh, but he came as the light of the world. His father is revealed as light in the Old Testament. And now the son is saying, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, uh, Paul the Apostle would also tell us that as Christians, that we are to walk in the light. We were once in darkness. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So the same commission that God gave to the Jews through Isaiah to be a light to the world. Now Jesus comes into the world like his father. He's, he's light. God is a consuming fire. And now we are called to be light because a man is to be like his God. You were once in darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifested by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, verse 14, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is a huge theme throughout the Bible, guys, about light and the importance of light and the importance of God being light, His Word being light, His Son being light, and the church being light. And we are called as individuals to no longer walk in darkness, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Uh, we're going to get more into the application next week and we'll dig into this more, what this actually means and what it looks like. But suffice it to say, light does not uh, uh, you know, hang out in darkness. When you turn on the light, the darkness is gone. And so he says, you know, you, you are to manifest the light. You're to expose the things in the darkness by turning the light switch on. There's no more darkness. Now it's all light. You see what's really there. And so we are not to be those who are hiding our light as, uh, as Jesus said, you know, no man lights a light, a lamp and puts it under a bushel, but he sticks it on the table, puts it in the center of the house. So it will give light to the whole house. And Jesus says, so you too should let your light shine before man that they would see your good works 
and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So for a Christian to be living in darkness is a total contradiction. It's, a, it's really an, an oxymoron uh, to, to say that a Christian is living in darkness. Um, you know, a Christian is supposed to be light in the world. It should be exposing things in, in the darkness, not participating in the unfruitful works of darkness. And again, next week we'll get uh, more into this application for the, for the Christian, for the church. In John, one more scripture here about Jesus and uh, him being light in the world. In John chapter 12 and verse 35, Jesus says this concerning himself. John chapter 12, verse 35, then Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and then was hidden from them. And so, you know, uh, God is calling us to walk in the light, not to walk in the darkness as we did before we were saved, before we were believers in Jesus Christ, before we were called by His name, before we were born again by His Holy Spirit. Now we have His Spirit residing within us by trusting in Christ for our salvation. He comes to take up residence within us. He forgives us of all of our sins. He washes away by His blood all of the sins of our past. And He comes to give us a new life, not living in darkness where uh, it's, it's a dog-eat-dog world and people are... Uh, uh, it's a dangerous place in the darkness apart from God and the enemy is using people to hurt each other and so forth. He's called us out of that place into His marvelous, glorious light so that we then would be children of light. We then would be those who would be light to others who are living in a dark and, uh, and really uh, tragic life. And, and you, you all remember before you were saved how uh, how, how dark your life was and how dark your uh, thinking was and so forth. And so the Lord is so um, gracious. He's so patient with us as His people. He's so patient with people who aren't His children. Uh, he gives us life. He gives us health. He gives us breath. He keeps our heart beating. Uh, he keeps our blood flowing and pumping through us. He keeps the oxygen at exactly the right level so that we could wake up in the morning and we could all breathe uh, air. Uh, he, he is so merciful to mankind, a, a, a generation of, of, of humans who hate Him, who spite Him, who would crucify Him all over again. Make no mistake about it, guys. If Jesus was here today, the world would crucify Him again. Uh, because uh, people don't want God to tell them how to live. They don't want God to give them His Word, His light, His instructions. As Christians, we want His truth. We want His light. We want His life that He offers to us uh, through Jesus Christ, through His Son. And really, as we study His Word, and uh, this, is, this is where we're going to wrap up tonight, but as we study His Word, we do become, as it were, those sons and daughters of the light. We're no longer in the darkness. God teaches us. He corrects us. He instructs us. Sometimes He rebukes us from His Word. And it's all profitable, guys. It's all very, very needed for us. 
uh, you know, the Bible is like a mirror, James says, uh, a mirror that is held up in front of our face. And in order to have, uh, uh, you know, to see what you really look like, you need a mirror that's going to give you an accurate reflection of yourself. And the Bible, the law of the Lord is like a mirror to us. It shows us. But you know what? You need light also in order to see yourself in the mirror clearly. If you have a mirror and it's dark, you don't see anything. And so it's the light of God that is revealed to us through His Son, revealed to us through His Word. And, uh, and then we have the, the privilege of becoming and, and, and being called sons of light because we are children of God. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, Email us at C-O-A-H podcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church, Tehachapi, California. <music>